0: Hello everyone, this is Prashant from Mumbai and I welcome you to the second episode of the podcast, Football Bloody Hell. Fuck man, fuck. Cristiano Ronaldo, what have you done? You spoiled my podcast by making me crack my voice up. Why you do this boy? Why? This man is unbelievable. What a game of football did we have? Okay. World Cup was started last night when Russia took on Saudi Arabia and we were all happy to see Russia win 5-0. Saudi Arabia were shit, doing nothing. Their defense was like Stoke City defense. But the party truly started in this match. Spain, Portugal, the Iberian Peninsula rivalry, the two neighbors. (coughs) Oh man, what was that? And biggest of stages, who who pops up? Guessed it right, Cristiano Ronaldo. Or as I call him, the Pade Bhaiya. As we say in Hindi, Big Brother. He, he's just unreal. Like, biggest of moments, biggest of stages, season after season, year after year, match after match, this guy has been been doing it continuously for the past 12, 13 years and still Every time he does that, I fall in love with him more and more. How? How could he just bend that free kick, uh, not over the wall, around the wall, beating the best goalkeeper in the world and David Dehaer was there just stunned. He could do nothing. Two minutes to go and he does that. His team needing him, his nation needing him for securing that vital one-point against Spain in the opening match of the World Cup and he does that with a hat-trick. just greatest of all time. I bow down before him, I bow down before you, Cristiano, you are just the best. Sorry, Messi fans, that's my opinion. In fact, I feel we all are privileged to be alive in the era of Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Wow, why can't we have football games like that every day? That game was truly magical, wasn't it? Like, yeah, Ronaldo won a penalty and then he scored, and then Diego Costa with his sheer brilliance, sheer determination, scored that goal. Pepe, come on, boy. You fell down like you were just shot. We all know how you act in these situations. Good decision by the ref. But that finish from Costa, oh, that would have hurt a certain section of people on this planet. Yeah, you guessed that right, Chelsea fans. You let him go and you replaced him with, guess who, Alvaro Morata. I think I should give a minute's silence here for the Chelsea board and Chelsea coach Conte for replacing Costa with Morata. with Morata, how did that go for you, lads? Towards the end of the first half, again, David Dehya made a mistake. Yeah, even the best can make mistakes sometimes, but what to do? Even Oliver Kahn made a howler in the World Cup final and he lived to tell the tale. And he was probably the best goalkeeper of his generation along with Peter Schmeichel. Manuel Neuer has had made mistakes in Champions League semi-finals. So it happens to the best of us, to the best of players. But how they come back is important and I think David Deheja has a very strong mentality and he will bounce back very strongly. He has done that in the past when he came to England and he was heavily criticised back in 2011 and twelve, and then he proved his outers wrong, became the best in the world and I'm sure he'll do it again. In the second half, it was all Spain. Isco, Iniesta, Koke, Busquets running the show in the middle of the... Park for them and then deservedly so, Costa scores for them. But what happened next? Nacho Fernandez scored a fucking belter. What was that, Nacho? How could he hit the ball that sweetly that he got a swab on it and crept just inside the post and into the goal? Well, Spain were looking like they were going to win and then they were just keeping the ball and then that moment came. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk about Germany's chances in the World Cup, their tactics, their preparation, why do they win, their mentality, everything. But what to do, guys? I I am human too, right? Like, this game of football really changed the World Cup scenario till now. And I hope we have more of this to come. Yeah, so let's begin with Germany. Now... The people who didn't listen to the first podcast, in the first one I talked about Germany's squad in general, the group F, analyzing each team and then what to expect from the group. Uh, In this episode, we'll talk more about Germany's tactics in the recent games, what to expect from Yogi Love's men in Russia and obviously Germany's final 23 men who got selected for Russia 2018. We'll also talk about why Germans always win, you know. Yeah, they win. It is as simple as that. Remember I told last time Gary Linker had said uh, football is a game where 22 people play for 90 minutes and in the end Germans always win. We'll see and we'll analyze why Germans are the serial winners. And of course we'll talk about the fantasy football stuff for the World Cup fantasy and which players in Germany and in Group F in general can be bought into your respective teams. Guys, before I start, I would really like to thank each and every one of you for your amazing response for my first episode of this podcast. It, you know, it really means a lot to me that you guys loved it. I, I really have no words, you know, like how to describe my happiness. I just put it out there thinking what will people think, what would happen, but you guys are the best. You loved it, you shared it, you liked it on the app. It was just amazing. For the people who are listening uh, to me for the first time, you can find the link to the first episode on my Twitter handle, FPL underscore Prashant. FPL underscore P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T. Wow, guys, you are you got the best. It was really overwhelming, the response, the feedback, the questions. Thank you. Thank you for everything. And of course, you also showed great love to my article which I wrote for the NetMegasist uh, regarding Iceland' historic rise to the World Cup. It's a fairy tale of hard work, dedication, passion and never-say-die attitude. You can also find its link on my Twitter handle. You guys are the best. Thank you for the love. Many of you guys asked me that why did I choose Germany in specific as the topic of interest for my first episode of the podcast. Well, I've always been a fan of the Mannschaft and the brand of football, but you know, I'm planning to go to Germany next year for my higher education and have been learning German for the past few months. In fact, I've finished two levels of it. And then, so there was this connection, you know, <laughs> between me and Germany and then the German national team. And then there was an opportunity with Tactics FC when they came up with the idea of 32 podcasters, sorry, 32 podders for 32 different national teams and then I took that opportunity and chose Germany in a heartbeat. Now, let's talk about the final 23 uh, men that were selected to represent the shaft for Russia 2018 by Yogi Love. Let's start with the goalkeeping department. Well, do I really need to say anything in goalkeeping department? Manuel Neuer, Mark Anders, Torstegen already there. Two great goalkeepers. And then there is Kevin Trapp as the third backup. Well, Kevin Trapp, I don't really trust him. I don't rate him after that debacle in Barca versus PSG, where he literally gifted three goals to Barcelona. But it really doesn't matter, does it? Like, he's not going to play. He's just there for filling up the squad. If Neuer is injured, which he's not, but if he is injured or not fully fit to play in one of the games, Mark Ander Ter is more than a capable deputy to fill in the boots. In the defenders, Jerome Boateng, Matt Summers, Joshua Kemich are the usual choices. They just select themselves. Finally, Jonas Hector uh, is a good left-back that Yorgi J- Love has found. He plays for Cologne. Didn't have a great season with the club but he has been very decent in the recent friendlies that I watched of Germany. Marvin Plattenhart and Antonio Rudiger and Nicholas Suler are the backups. Now midfield, what should you say about German midfield? Probably the only midfield which can give competition to Spain's midfield is Germany's. Leroyan Goretzka, Gundogan, Sami Khadira, Tony Kroos. Ozil, Sebastian Rudy, Julian Brandt, and Draxler, Thomas Muller, Marco Royce, striker department, as I said earlier, Timo Werner and Mario Gomez are the two strikers Yogi Love has chosen. But one of the biggest news of this uh, selection was, yeah, you guessed it right, Leroy Sané, the Man City div- winger who was dropped by Yogi Love. Leroy Sané, Is a fantastic talent, a great player, and a player with great, great potential. I'm a United fan, but I just can't hate him. I really rate him a lot, to be honest. You know, his dribbling skills, his directness in play, fearlessness in taking defenders head-on, it really makes him a menace. His 10 goals and 15 assists for Man City this season have been... Really instrumental for City to win the league. But I think his form in the national team is what prompted Yogi Love, probably, to not select him. 12 games for the Mannschaft, 0 goals, 1 assist, figures not that you should really be proud of. But Germany probably have such plethora of talent that they don't care if they miss out on 1 or 2, even if it's the big name like Leroy Sané. This The kid won... The best young player award in Premier League, and is not going to the World Cup. Well, things happen. But you know, I have seen him recently in games like, like against Austria, where he was not such a great threat to the Austrian goal. Like he was having an average game. He gave the ball away in the final third again. Constantly made bad decisions. It was probably his bad day. You can't judge a player. After just one uh, match, but Yogi Love has been watching him closely and has been uh, training with him. And He rates Julian Brandt higher than Leroy Sane. Julian Brandt, probably, I have not seen much of him, I won't lie here. But from what I have seen in the game against Saudi Arabia and against Austria, he's a player that Germany, he's a type of player that Germany already have, you know. The type of Julian Draxler, Marco Royce, Mesut Ozil. The playmaker type, you know, the player who plays great in and around the box. But in my opinion, Yogi should have taken Sané. It would have given a different dimension to German attack. Maybe he would not have started, obviously. You can't start above the likes of Royce, Ozil and Muller behind Werner. But yeah, he could have unleashed him at times when... The opponents' defenders were really tired, and then on the break, he can really, really hurt you. And moreover, I think Sane's capability to drift out of games at times is the reason why Yogi Love didn't take him. Also, Yogi Love uh, wants his uh, inverted wingers to come inside and create an overload, you know, near the penalty penalty area inside the box, and then he wants the fullbacks to overlap the likes of Kimmich and. Hector who are more than capable full-backs to get in behind the opponent's full-back and deliver a good cross in or cut, cut a ball near the edge of the box to for the likes of Tony Cruz and Khadira to finish it. Leroy Sané is an out-and-out out left winger. Yes, he can be used on the right but that's how he was used by Pep Guardiola uh, for Man City, a left winger who hugs the touchline, tries to beat the full-back with pace and puts a good cross in. Yeah, he can be a goal threat, but if he's put on wide left, there is no space for Jonas Hector to overlap. If there is, then the op- opponent full back and the wingers double up on them, and the left hand channel really gets blocked for Germany. So now with uh, maybe Julian Draxler or Ozil playing on the left, they come inside. It gives room for Jonas Hector to overlap, and then the likes of Cruz or Muller can release the ball, a fine pass to the overlapping fullback, and then they can deliver a good cross-in. Another big news was probably Manuel of Manuel Neuer. Yeah, when he played against Austria recently, on June 2nd I think it was, yeah, June 2nd, uh, it was his first game in 252 days, yes. First competitive game in 252 days after breaking his leg in September. And uh, he was just casual, like it didn't ma- really matter to him, it, it felt like he had already been there in the Mannschaft team and his injury really didn't matter. Now even in the game against Saudi Arabia, he was really commanding and made some really decent saves. He, he will probably start for Germany in all the games in the World Cup, but even if he's unfit or gets injured again, as I said earlier Anders Ter Stegen is more than capable of stepping up into his shoes. and. Anders Torstigen came off came out for second half versus Saudi and even saved a penalty and had few decent saves and looked comfortable with his feet too anyways people what do you think of Leroy Sanes omission from the world cup squad do you think Julian Brandt and Julian Draxler are good backups for Ozil and Muller and Royes or do you think Yogi Love made a huge mistake by May are not taking Sane to Russia 2018 Also, what's your opinion On, you know, starting Manuel Neuer directly Even though he hasn't played a game Of football From uh, September 2017 To May 2018 And Ertel Stegen, in my opinion Had a very good season with Basta And he deserves a shot But it's Manuel Neuer And he's going to play So, let me know your Opinion your in the comment section or in the reply section of Twitter. Now, in this section, we'll talk about Germany's tactics in recent games and then what do we expect from Yogi Lovesman in Russia. Now, the latest game Germany played was against Saudi Arabia. Uh, that was, I think, last week. Yeah, yeah, the same Saudi Arabia, which we called horrible uh, disgrace to war, should not play in the World Cup, whatever, whatever. But yes, they were quite decent that day in Arena uh, in Germany. Now, the team started in 4-2-3-1 for the shaft Neuer, obviously Neuer, starts in goal. Pair of Boateng and Hummel select themselves. Uh, ultra energetic Kemic at right back. Solid Jonas sector at left back. And then uh, they play with two-man midfield of Khadira and Tony Cruz. Uh, if you would have noticed, in 2014 World Cup, Germany usually played with three-man midfield of Khadira, Cruz, and Schweinsteiger. But ever since Schweinsteiger's retirement, love has transformed from a three-man midfield to a two-man pivot midfield. Where Tony Cruz is the brain of the team and Khadira is more of a destroyer, you know, tackler uh, who wins the ball back and then recycles the ball around his team. Tino, uh, Timo Werner obviously starts up top and then there are there is the trio of Julian Draxler, Marco Royce, and Thomas Muller behind him. Now, we should note that Mesut Ozil was injured and that's why he didn't participate in this friendly but I fully expect love to select Ozil in uh, Julian Draxler's place in the opener versus Mexico. Now, let's see how Germans play. Now, uh, when Germany don't have the ball, they press really high. Now, what I noticed from the Saudi Arabia game, and also from the game against Austria a few days ago, that if opposition takes the ball to one side, you know, to uh, like if they to try to attack from their right or Germany's left, as I should say, they swiftly change formation to a 4 3 3 aligned on the opposition's, uh, opposition's side of attack. Now, if the opposition tries to uh, switch play, ge- uh, that is from uh, in this example, if they try to switch play from Germany's left to the right, Then Germany seamlessly move into a 4-4-2 system with the number 10 player going up with Werner and then two of them press up high and try to win the ball. The aim is to win the ball as quickly as possible and then counter attack with purpose. Now how do Germans counter attack? Well they have speedy wingers, not the pace of Leroy Stane but they are still fast and they have attack minded full backs, especially Joshua Kimmich. Now Kimmich is the key here. When Muller, who has a tendency to tuck inside towards the striker position uh, with Werner, Kimmich takes the entire right wing as his own and marauds down the touchline looking for a cross or a cutback. He even has the ability, you know, to, how should I say it, sometimes drop in the midfield uh, and then win the ball back and then quickly get back into his position. He had a brilliant season with Bayern Munich and he has full trust of Yogi Love. Now, what do Germany do? Uh, When they have the ball, well, Germany are the kind of team who like to keep position with the ball, but not just meaningless position, Uh, meaningless position, you know. Like, uh, they try to find incisive passes. First, when they get the ball, they try to keep it in the square of the two centre-backs, Hummels and Boateng, and the two midfielders in front of them, uh, Cruz and Khadira. And then, uh, they try to find the full-backs or the wide players with an incisive pass, as soon as a moment comes and i think they have more than capable players in Cruz khadira to find those passes now one must wonder what happens uh, if the opponent gets the ball and they try to counter attack germany yes that's a very good question you ask why well now the german full now the german full backs have the tendency to go high up the pitch and then try to look for crosses or cutbacks as i already said but there is a possibility, you know, like the opponent can get the ball and then they can try to counter Germany uh, and score a goal against them. Saudi Arabia were quite good at this, uh, in that friendly. So, for example, if Kimmich has gone far too ahead and Hector 2 is in the final third of the pitch, what do Boateng and Hummels do? They split up. They take positions that cover uh, Kimmich and Hector's position at the fullback position and and when this happens, yeah, either one of Khadira or Cruz doesn't wander up too high because that would leave Germany too exposed to the middle of the pitch. Uh, when opponents try to play the long ball to the PC strikers or PC forwards, who comes into play? Yeah, the sweeper keeper, the ultimate sweeper keeper, Manuel Neuer. He's right there to stop them in their tracks. Now, we saw the squad, we saw the strength of this German team, we saw how good they are. But now, let's also, you know, uh, point out a few weaknesses that are present in this squad, as there would be weakness in almost every other squad in this World Cup. For example, if you look at the defence, if there is an injury to Joshua Kimmich during this month-long festival of football, I don't think there is an any obvious like-to-like replacement for Kimmich at right-back. Similarly, if there is any injury scare or fitness issue with Khadira during the World Cup There is Sebastian Rudy as a ball-winning defender but I don't think he has the experience of Khadira or the capability to perform you know, in those big French games Uh, Germany could really struggle in the center of the park if Khadira gets injured but if you look at uh, some positions like left wing or number 10 position they have a plethora of options uh, like uh, Goretzka, he can play in a 4-3-3 or he can play as a number 10, up above, just behind the striker, Goretzka had 3 goals in the qualifying campaign, so you know, he has an eye for goal, he can pop up with them anytime you want, and then there are the usual suspects of Ozil, Muller, Draxler, Royce, any of them are more than capable of taking the number 10 spot. I think this is the kind of... Uh, headache that yogi love would love to have the selection headache that he can choose so many good players and then he can bring on uh, such great young talent to change the game when Germany is trailing or when Germany needs to consolidate their win. Looking at the front four of Germany you can see that the it's a really world-class front four they are really fluid uh, in and around the box Few key details which I noticed uh, from the Saudi Arabia game was that uh, even though Royce started on the right, Muller in the number 10 role and Draxler on the left, within 5 minutes, these three quickly started to exchange positions. For example, Muller went on the right and then Royce came in but he also started taking positions on the left-hand channel like the centre of the pitch behind the striker and the left-hand channel. And started dictating play, started finding those key passes from that, from that position. To see a fully fit, smiling, happy Marco Royce was uh, was such a great sight. As I say, as I have said in my earlier pod, I really like that guy. Really happy for him that a player of his quality. Has, is finally playing in a World Cup and deservedly so. He missed the last two major tournaments, the World Cup 2014 and, and the Euros 2016, by getting injured just days before those tournaments. And you, see, you can see why Yogi Love trusts him so much. His combination play around the left-hand channel and the penalty box with the likes of Draxler, Werner and uh, Thomas Muller is just breathtaking. His involvement... In the first goal, the 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 one that uh, Werner uh, smashed into the roof of the net on a half volley uh, was just mesmerizing. The defenders was left there bamboozled, thinking, "What is happening? How is this? Uh, how is this guy finding those passes and then moving off the ball so quickly?" Yes, they were Saudi Arabian defenders, but still, you need to find those passes and you need to find the man at the correct time was himself very unlucky not to score a goal after he hit the post from a clever pass from Muller from the edge of the area. Now, against the weaker opponents, what I also noticed is that Khadira was constantly getting into dangerous areas near the edge of the box uh, and and combining with Muller and Kemik on the right side. He himself hit the post from the fierce shot and was really unlucky not to get a goal there. Cruz dictated the play from the deep Later in the half, Germany doubled their lead again. The usual suspects were involved: Muller, Draxler, and Royce. We all know how great Thomas Muller is in the World Cups. Uh, he all was you know he was denied two goals in the friendly against Saudi Arabia by two great saves from the Saudi Arabian by the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper. Around the 60, 60th minute mark, Werner was off and on came Mario Gomez. Now Mario Gomez is not a striker like Timo Werner. While Timo Werner likes to play on the shoulder of the defenders, making a run behind them and then trying to finish it first time, Gomez gives a different option altogether to Yogi Love. Uh, Gomez doesn't have the smart runs or the fast movement of Werner, uh, but he gives physical presence. His holding ability... To uh, bring the likes of Ozil, Royce and Muller around him into play is what Yogi Love really, really rates. And his height and his ability to uh, head the ball with precision into the goal is also a great advantage to Germany when they are uh, looking for a late equaliser or a late winner. But one weakness that I saw was how easily Saudi Arabia were able to counter-attack and that too with purpose, only if they had a decent striker or a decent finisher, they would have punished Germany, Germany really need to cover up their bases when they push all the players forward and the likes of Khadira and Cruz need to hang back more and try to win the ball back from the Saudi Arabians, don't allow them to counter attack. You guys have been listening to me for quite some time now, what do you suggest, should we take a break, a small one, yeah fine by me. Enjoy some of the great goals scored by the Manchave in the past few World Cups. Schweinsteiger rolls it for Prince. He's smacking it in! My goodness me, will he smack it in? Justin Prince is from Germany 2-0 magnificent football Lukas Podolski. there may be something for Özil here there's a ripper of a goal that's what there is in Soccer City from this wonderful young talent Now we know all about the German squad, their weaknesses, their strengths, how the Mannschaft play, their tactics, on the ball, off the ball, etc. But do only these things count if you want to win the World Cup? Fuck no. One very important thing that is taken care behind the closed doors is the planning for the World Cup and if there is planning involved, there is only one master of that and that is Yogi Love. To know how Germans have planned for World Cup 2018, well, nobody knows that. For obvious reasons, World Cup is still going on. But to know how did they plan for 2014 World Cup and how did it affect their success, uh, we have to go back uh, four years in time. Now, in 2014, when teams were planning for a World Cup, what did they think of first? Players come for training facilities, facilities like gyms, spa, swimming pool, etc. So, for example, if a team like England books the uh, looks for a hotel, what do they do? They book the best hotel and the best suite available to them in Rio. But what do do Germans do? Um, what do you expect them to do? Book another top hotel in Rio? Hell no. Germans booked a place in a village called Santo André with only 900 residents and full 682 miles away from Rio de Janeiro. Yes, you heard that right. No need to go back and play it again. They booked a village as their residence which was almost 700 miles away from Rio de Janeiro. Well, you must be wondering why would anyone do that? Why why would anyone choose a place in the middle of nowhere? What was Yogi Love thinking? Well, now uh, we should look into the logic of that. Teams which stay in the posh hotels generally tend to forget that their players uh, have to travel through traffic and reach training sessions every day. This uh, has the toll on the players over the whole month. But the Manshaft chose the village of San Andro because along with its beautiful beaches and it also had a beautiful holiday resort. The village was more like a resort for the team which also helps building special team spirit within the group. The resort, Campo Bahia, Campo Bahia, as it was called, was built according to the needs of the DFB or that is the German Football Association. The beachside grounds spanned across 15,000 square meters. and In that area, they also had 14 two-storied villas for the players and the staff. Apart from the brilliant grounds and the villas and all the facilities, there also had an outdoor swimming pool, a spa, a gym, a lounge and a big auditorium for team meetings and stuff. And I am not kidding, even the paintings hanging over the walls in the holiday resort were handpicked by the members of the DFV. They don't leave even the tiniest spe- aspect out of preparation, do they? The German football even shipped 23 tons of luggage and equipment all the way from Germany to Brazil. Yes, 23 tons of stuff they from Germany to Brazil. What did this include you might ask? Well, apart from obvious training, stu- uh, training stuff and the kits and everything, it also included mountain bikes, pool table, table tennis tables and even fucking dart boats. Yes, dart boats they brought from Germany to Brazil. I am not kidding. That's how... Uh, they prepare, every minute detail taken care of and if you uh, look at the demographical aspect of this thing, uh, weather-wise too, Santo Andre was a warmer place so it was easier for the players to play in hot venues like Salvador, Fort Alexa, etc when they already had trained in a warm environment even when the man-shaft had to travel to cooler places like Rio or Belo Horizonte for the knockout games, the theory was that it's always, you know, uh, uh, easier to adapt if you adapt into cooler environments, if you are coming from warmer environment, uh, more than vice versa. Now you guys know all about how did Germany prepare physically for the World Cup 2014. But now also let me tell you a crazy, mind-boggling story, especially on that 7-1 rubbing of Brazil in the semi-finals. What did Germans do that made the semi-finals, you know, more, look more like men versus boys? I'll give you a few seconds to guess what technology did Germans use for this. Okay, now you had enough time. I am sure none of, none of you came out with the right answer. The right answer is big data. Yes, big fucking data. Those who don't know what big data is, it is basically large stacks of data that is micro-analyzed later and that is produced in a meaningful way for the client's project. So, under Jurgen Buschmann, a professor at the Sport University of Cologne, Top 50 students of the university were selected in 2012. Yes, in 2012, two years, whole two years before the World Cup was scheduled to start. And they would uh, pour over countless hours of footage of Brazilian players, noting their running patterns, their reaction to fouls, their tactics, everything. Yes, what I said in the last one minute is true. College students working for the Mannschaft. There was a name given to this t- uh, to this whole project called as Team Cologne. Team Cologne started finding never-before-noticed patterns and these findings became key part of German assistant coach Hansi Flick. You see, saw this like data being processed by college-university students going to their professor who has links to the Mannschaft and then it goes directly to the assistant coach of the Mannschaft. Wow! How how do they prepare like they have they started preparing for this 2014 world cup years before it even was scheduled and the way they microanalyze things it was just beyond belief everything that you can imagine was taken care of everything that you can imagine was noted down for the opponents and was feeded to the team and the staff of this podcast world cup fantasy options now, many of you asked me, like, why didn't I play the World Cup Fantasy myself? And as I have said earlier in my tweets, I really want to enjoy football this summer. Not be carried away by the fantasy football stuff. I want to enjoy those last-minute winners, not slump to the ground in despair with a double clean sheet wipeout. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what happened to many of us last... Uh, Premier League season right personally for me it was so many occasions right in the 90th minute, 94th minute 96th minute clean sheet wipeout gone I am sad I am. I am almost in tears just because some clean sheet was gone and I missed 4 points or 6 points or bonus point or whatever don't want that to happen with the World Cup also with all due respect I don't want to watch games like Everton versus Watford, which were a pain to the eyes. I don't want to watch games like Morocco versus Iran. With all due respect, it was a decent game. But you know, you understood what I'm trying to say, right? Just watching those games because just you have a few 4.5 or 5 million fillers in those. Nah, I'm going to give it a pass this summer. Now looking at options... If we look at Germany, what I would suggest uh, is uh, if you want to go for a striker, well, you can obviously have to go for Timo Werner as 9.5. Uh, in midfield, there are and Khadira who are there for cheaper value. There is also Royce and Ozil, but I don't think you should take either of them because they don't possess a goal threat. At least the uh, Cruz and Khadira pair. If you, you can go for Royce or Ozil, but again there might be a rotation risk, they might come off early, whatever. Uh, In midfield, if you want to go, you have to go with one name and that I think is a must in every team is Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller is a person born to score goals in the World Cup. Take him. If you can't take Werner, take Thomas Muller. In defence, you have few options. You can take Hoshua Kemek or Jonas Hector who are both available for 6.5. Out of those two, I would suggest you take Kimmich because I have seen him in recent games. He is so up high in the field that he is bound to have assists and bound to give you more points. Uh, If you can't afford that extra 0.5, then for 6 million, you have Hummels and Boatang. Out of these two, I would personally suggest Hummels because uh, he has that knack of scoring from set pieces. If you want to gamble on Neuer, well, you can, but I would... Rather suggest you go for a cheaper keeper and then invest your rest of the hundred million on other parts of your team. Now, if we look at other teams in the group F, there is Mexico. Uh, in Mexico, what I could suggest is you could go you could go for Ochoa in goal, who is just 5 million and he makes lots of saves. I think you can get a few save points there. Uh, apart from that, you can go for striker as Javier Hernandez, a cheap filler, uh, not exactly a filler but a third striker maybe for 8.5 or as I would suggest uh, and as I said in my earlier pod, one Mexican player to keep an eye on is Harving Lozano. He's is just 8 million and I think you can afford him. Uh, he might produce a few returns this summer. Next team in the group is Sweden. Uh, from Sweden, if you guys remember from the previous pods, I emphasized on one player and that is Emil Fosberg. Emil Fosberg as I checked, is available for 7.5. So, he's a good option to have, if you can afford him. But how much uh, will Swedish use him or utilize him is a doubt. So, I don't think you should go for attacking options or midfield options from Sweden. You can go for a cheap defender like Lindelof, who is Available only for 5 million and Swedish are quite decent at the back So you can ex- expect them to keep clean sheets against the likes of South Korea. Maybe or also um, Mexico if they are lucky For South Korea, which is a fourth team in group F mm, Well, there are not many options apart from one Yeah, yeah, you guessed it right Hong Min son. Yeah Yongmin Son, you can select, but he's there for 8 million. And the team around Hyong Min Son, I don't trust them. They are not in great form. And even if you take Hyongmin Son, what he can do single-handedly is a big doubt. So personally I would steer clear from all players from South Korea. Uh, we have come to the end of the second episode of the podcast, Football, Bloody Hell. Well, if you have any questions, any feedback, everything is welcome. This was my second episode of the pod, so I am trying to improve, I am trying to rectify the mistakes. I hope you can cope with that. And I really appreciate the people helping me out, especially from the FPL Twitter community and the football community. For people listening to me for the first time, as I said earlier, you can find me uh, on Twitter at the, at the Twitter handle FPL. Underscore P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T, P-R-A-S-H-A-N-T. Uh, You can find the link to all, my, uh, all the episodes of my podcast uh, on my Twitter handle and then you can find the link to my article uh, regarding Iceland's gigantic rise to the World Cup and the fairy tale story also there. For the third episode of the podcast, uh, I am thinking that I will do it probably after The group stages are over and then we get a clear-cut idea about the round of 16 fixtures. Then we can uh, analyze the teams which did good, which didn't do so well. And then we can predict uh, which teams will go home early, which teams will go through to the quarterfinals and which teams are more likely to go to the semifinals. I think that would be a very interesting part. Uh, but in case if something big pops up, a big match happens, or something spectacular happens to light this World Cup completely, then we can definitely have a podcast before the group stage ends, and then we can discuss about that particular topic or that particular match. I hope you all of you like this episode. Uh, I cannot repeat it enough number of times that. The response you guys gave to the first episode of the podcast was really, really amazing. Uh, I just don't have enough words to describe my happiness. Uh, It just means so much to me to know that all of you loved it. Thank you all again. Bye. So far from back in the saddle, you're on the front line. everyone's watching, you know it's serious, we're getting closer, this isn't over, the pressure's off, you feel it, but you got it all, believe it, when you fall, it up, oh, oh, and if you fall, it up, eh, hey, hey. eh, cause this is Africa. It's not a Marvel-sponsored podcast that you will get some themes or something from the next episode of the podcast. Nothing here. Go. Go away. Bye.